Welcome to the Men and Hoodies podcast, where we take you on an excursion through everything in the sports world. Trending news, hot conversations, heated debates, and unlike shows such as First Take and Undisputed, things that you, the listeners, actually want to hear. Let's now go to your hosts, the man that the water shows, Brent Lyons, the OG, Roman Cleary, hey, that's me, and of course, the always jubilant, Jake Stoop. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of the Men in Hoodies podcast. I'm your host, Jake Stoop, alongside Roman Cleary and Brent Lyons. We're joined by two special guests today, Jack Glenn and Brylon Williams. But before we get into that, a quick update. Go follow our Men in Hoodies Instagram, and there you can find instructions to buy a Men in Hoodies hoodie. Lots of people have been copping those, so go and get yours today. But before that, Jack, we know about it. Go ahead. Oh, I am pumped about it, You don't seem very excited about that. I'm super excited about it. I'm ready. I can't wait to get those in. Hopefully before... Thanksgiving is the goal, but we're not really sure. So go and follow that Instagram. That's been booming. Already hit 100 followers in less than a week. So go and follow that. But Jack Glenn, we've already heard a little bit about you. Just go ahead and reintroduce yourself. Hey, I'm Jack. Uh, hey, Jack. Not, not Hi, much Jack. Not much to know. I stopped playing sports when I was a freshman, but I'm an avid watcher and avid reader of anything that to do with uh, sports. Uh. <laughs> Jack, I did last so time I was on the here. show. I did predict that the the 49ers would go like four and thirteen, and it's looking good. It's looking good. They just have to lose out. <laughs> Brylin, introduce yourself, man. Hello, everyone. I'm Brylin Williams. Uh, I play basketball at Cordova High. I'm looking to play at the next level, and I will be making my announcement soon for that. I like. To- meditation and working out and yeah i'm happy to be on the show yes sir. sounds like you're more of a stud than jack i don't know about y'all though <laughs> probably wow. that was uncalled for yes love you jack love you just jack just messing with you but we're gonna test y'all's knowledge first last time we did this we had <laughs> carson everson my girlfriend she came on two weeks ago and everybody loved it so we're gonna do it again but this time we've got guest v guest jack versus brylin so before we get into the topics of the day, this is what we're going to do. Our own Roman Cleary has written these questions for them. But remember, there's no cheating, so don't be pulling out your phones trying to get the answer to that. First one to answer correctly will take the W on the question. And we have five questions, so one of y'all has to win. So, Roman, let's get into it. What's question one? <laughs> All right. So are you are our two contestants ready? Yeah, Jack's going to win for sure, but let's go. Probably not, but let's let's get it. <laughs> All right. Question number one. We're starting with so an easy humble. one. Where did Aaron Donald play college football? Stanford? I don't even know that. <laughs> no. I don't know that one. No cheating. I have no idea. I'm cheating. Um, what conference yeah. were they in? Did he even play Division One? <laughs> yes, he did. He played the very big school, actually. What conference? Jesus. Oh, are you asking that to me, Jake? Yeah, yeah. What conference? ACC. Oh. Just start NC naming State. schools. Guys like Dan Marino and Tyler Boyd also played there. Oh. Miami? No, that was that was uh, NFL, Dan Marino. <laughs> Not sure what I, I can, I can give another good clue. Players like Kenny Pickett played here. Pitt. 
Yeah, it's fit. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. I knew that. I Man, y'all are very that. knowledgeable so far. Yeah. <laughs> easy question. Hey, that was the easy one. <laughs> that, that's the, not avid, the, the avid reader and avid watcher of sports got it right. <laughs> yep. Sure. I suppose. All right. All right. Second question. Why did the Chargers let go of Drew Brees, and why did they choose him over Phillip Rivers? I mean, choose, why did they choose Phillip Rivers over Drew Brees? You know, I don't like football, but I read Drew Brees' book. I feel like it's something because of, like, height. That probably had something to do with it, but that was not the primary reason. Was it the school he went to? No. He went to Did Purdue. Drew Brees want to be in L.A.? It, they were in San Diego at the time, and no, Drew, Drew Brees did not choose to leave there. Roman, you may be he's a little bit too hard. This is easy. No. <laughs> it's literally, why did the Chargers let go of one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play football? I would say Phillip Rivers is pretty good, too, though. Is it because Phillip Rivers has, like, seven kids? No. <laughs> uh, do y'all want to know why? Yes. I yes. Know. It's because Drew Brees tore his throwing shoulder. Oh, and wow. All y'all it, had to say was injury. <laughs> Just yeah. injury. That wouldn't have been a good enough answer anyway. Yeah, I was expecting it to be a little more exciting. Drew Brees tore his throwing shoulder. All right, one nothing. Like he he farted in his interview. (laughs) (laughs) Pulled a Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, it was like one nothing, Jack. What's question three? All right, so question three. Violin Symbia, so this is your bag. You better get it. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Yes. All right. We know that. Michael Jordan won six NBA yeah. finals. Yes. And he beat five teams in those six finals. So he faced one team twice. What were the five teams that Jordan beat? Oh my goodness. He beat the uh, Lakers in 91. In 92, I'm pretty sure he beat the Suns. No, that was 93 maybe. Um, I'm pretty sure he beat the Rockets one time. No, I know the he, Rockets. No Rockets. He beat the, he beat the Jazz twice. Yep, Jazz twice. He beat okay. the Sonics one time. The third team, other than the Suns. Doesn't he have four? The oh, well, the Jazz don't count. No, he beat the Jazz two times. He beat the Lakers. He beat the um, Supersonics. It's three out of five. Oh. No, it's four out of five. He set the Suns as well. Oh, okay. So one more. Oh, okay. I feel like it's, it's not the Rockets. That's crazy. No. Spurs? The Knicks. No. No, no, no that's no, the Eastern they're Conference. Eastern. Oh, come that's on. The East. It's easy. They're East. It's easy. Come on, guys. Mm. Who else Dude. looked up and made the finals? Jesus Christ. 92. Come on. Come on. Uh, this is bad. All right. This team was led uh, by Clyde Drexler. Oh, the Blazers. The Trailblazers. I forgot. That's sick. Why did I forget that? Yeah. Yep. It was the Blazers. <laughs> one the oh. Question four. Oh, no. What, one, one, one. It's one, one, right? Did that count? I mean, oh, yeah, go ahead that. and give it to him. I mean, right, Brylin did all the work. <laughs> I wasn't getting that. Hey, 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 hey. Jack got to have the Aaron Donald one. So. <laughs> all right. 
Number four, who was the Patriots coach before Bill Belichick? Bill Parcells. No, there was one coach in between them. Dadgummit. It's it's a name that you all know. Oh, uh, no, nope, not him. No, no, not him. I think it was him, Jack. I think it was him. No, not – no, it wasn't. It was not. He coached the Browns and the Dolphins. Was he a former player? No. Uh... He's currently a head coach in the NFL right now. Oh. Hmm. That helps. That, that narrows it down to 31. Right now it's not Pete. I was about to say it's not Pete Carroll. Not Pete Carroll. <laughs> now you're down to 30. Did this coach when he didn't get when he lost the Patriot job, did he go to college and coach? Yeah, he did. Is it Harbaugh? No. Not Harbaugh. That was a good guess though. Yeah. Is it uh who's the Jaguars coach? It's not Doug Peterson. It's not Urban Meyer either. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. <laughs> That's a tough this one. Is, Jesus. Oh, this come is going on, dude. Very poorly. This is going very uh, poorly. He got some good hard. questions, man. Yeah, I think, I, I think I we got to nullify it and say one more question. Lovey Smith. No, it's not Lovey Smith. Yeah, I don't know. What's the answer? Pete Carroll. What? Yep. Hey, I said that. He said it, though. Wait, you, you said, said not that? Pete Carroll. That's oh. wild. Oh. He said, he said Pete Carroll. That's wild. He said not Pete Carroll. Brent Gunn, yeah, wild. it's not Pete Carroll. Like, he looked up the answer. Nah, I was just assuming because he was at USC. No, he was, Brent, he was with the Patriots before me. he went to USC. Wow. Nah, you can have that one. I'm just saying that's wild. I didn't know he played for. I didn't know he had another head coaching gig besides the Seahawks. Yeah, no, no, he was he was coaching for the Patriots for like a season and went very poorly, and they fired him. All right, two to one, Jack. Question five. All right, and this one should be real question. NFL draft: The Rams take Jared Goff number one overall, and the Eagles take Carson Wentz, number two overall. But the Rams and the Eagles were not the original owners of those two picks. Who were? <laughs> oh, my goodness. 2016. Holy it was cow. bad. Holy cow. This is so difficult. <laughs> Ro- holy cow. I came up with all of these off the top of my head, by the way. Can I get a clue? The Lions? <laughs> we no, just not got the Lions. Let's get some. Let's get some hits. God, twenty sixteen, right? Is that the draft class? Is that the right draft class? Yep, twenty sixteen. Okay. Who was bad? I didn't really care about football. Oof! I think I know one. Um. Maybe. I kind of want to guess now too, because I have no idea. <laughs> uh, the Redskins. No, not Washington. They actually made the playoffs that previous season. Did they? Okay. I'm yeah. thinking Miami. I, guess. I was thinking Miami too. Really? Uh, Miami went like six and ten the previous year. Uh, okay. 
I say we just start throwing some out there. Uh, the Giants? Nope, not the Giants. What about the other team in New York? Was it the Jets? No, not the Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. No? Nope. Um, this is crazy. I say we I say we pull out a little bit of an easier question for question five. <laughs> what what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. This is tough, man. Unless we all can pull it out. I came up with this off the top of my head. Was it the Jaguars? No, not the Jaguars. Oh my gosh. Texans. No. This Colts. was the draft where the Jackson where the Jaguars took Jalen Ramsey like four overall for fifth. Titans? <laughs> not the Titans, Titans is one of them. Wait, yes. really? Oh, they no. had the two pick, didn't they? The Titans is the Ooh, first one. Bad. I, a, I just suck at this. How long? How good. long? How, how long? Browns have been bad. The Were the Browns problem? bad in 2016? The Browns was, was the that. Second. Wow. Yeah. The Titans <laughs> and crazy. the Browns. We lucked. We lucked into the two. Yeah, that's. So, so is there a winner here, or like? What are we I doing? feel like I feel we should like... have an NBA question as the tiebreaker. Hey, oh, I, that's I, not I have fair. a good question. I have a good question. <laughs> okay. Person who gets this it one wins. will be this will be purely based off luck if you can get this one right, but it's pretty easy, like compared to like you don't have to think as hard. So what is the national sport of Canada? Hockey. Hockey. No. Cricket? What? No, not cricket. Figure skating. Not figure skating. What the heck? I feel like... Rugby? Oh, am, I, am I allowed to guess? Not rugby. What if it's basketball? It is not basketball either. But you're getting closer. There's only so many sports you can choose from. I feel it's like you would make it like pickleball or something. It's not soccer. I, I don't make this up. I looked it up. Is it pickleball? No, it's not pickleball. Tennis. <laughs> not Okay, what? Ping pong. Not ping pong. <laughs> baseball. Skiing. Not baseball. No, not skiing. Is it, a, it, is it an export? Is it like a snowboarding or something? No, it's not an export. Okay, it's right. what, what could it possibly be? It is, a, it is a sport that could be out of school. Like this sport is that this sport could be a school sponsored sport. Swimming. Lacrosse. There you go, it's lacrosse. Yes. Oh, Ryland is our winner. In Canada. Why have they declared a national sport? Yeah, that's weird. We, I would have sworn it was hockey sport. if they had to declare it a national sport. Yeah, seriously. We declare a national sport too. It'd be football. That's why they don't declare we, it. Like the US declares College a national basketball. Sport. That makes no sense. College basketball. All right, guys, uh, good job on your quiz, even though the questions were a little bit tougher than uh, I assumed they would be. Y'all still killed it. Rylan, we're going to say bye to you for maybe a good 20, 25 minutes. You will join us for our college basketball preview. And then from here on out, we've got NFL. If you did not hear, the Indianapolis Colts hired Jeff Saturday to be their interim head coach. A little bit about him, if you do not know about him or the situation or this man at all. He played his college ball at North Carolina, was always overlooked because of his size, ended up going undrafted and signed by the Ravens, was actually cut and became an electrician, which is pretty cool. Then he was signed by the Colts and eventually became one of the best players in Colts franchise history, retired in 2013, 
coached high school ball for four years and then became a Colts insider. And all of this experience, if you want to call it that, has led him to where he is today as the interim head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. He's the first NFL head coach since 1961 with no prior college or professional coaching experience to become an interim head coach. So we'll start out with this question for you, Roman. In your opinion, based off his background, is Jeff Saturday qualified to coach an NFL team? Well, of course he doesn't, like, technically qualify to coach an NFL team. He doesn't have any coaching experience at the professional or collegiate level. But I can still sympathize with why Jim Ursay decided to do this. At the end of the day, the Colts franchise – before the start of the season was going nowhere. And I tried to tell everyone from the start, I mean, to do the same formula with Frank Reich and these wash quarterbacks over and over and over and over again, it wasn't going to get you anywhere. So I appreciate Jim Jim Ursay, a guy that I called out earlier in the year for finally stepping up and doing something about it. The right decision is to go with Sam Ellinger, you know, try to test him out, see what, see what you have in him. Because if you don't have anything in Sam Ellinger, you know, hey, we can just go ahead and get a franchise quarterback, whether that be a guy like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, or someone else down the board if the Colts don't end up picking in the top ten or wherever that's going to be. And um, with Jeff Saturday, it's a much more confusing move. It's not quite a simple explanation. I mean, I personally wouldn't have gone with Jeff Saturday, obviously. If it were me, I would probably would have gone with Reggie Wayne. Because, like, if you want to go with a former player, I mean, Reggie Wayne is already on the staff as the wide receivers coach. So, I mean, it's just pretty simple in that, you know, aspect of it. But Jeff Saturday is still a very interesting hire. He clearly showed, like, enthusiasm for wanting to do this. So, mm-hmm. if posts were already, like, not going anywhere, I can't exactly blame them for wanting to try out somebody like Jeff Saturday. It's really shocking, really surprising. And, no, to answer your question, Jeff Saturday – Nowhere near qualified enough to be an NFL head coach. But for the situation that the Colts are in right now, I can understand it. Brett? Um, I think for the most part, I agree with Roman here. I don't think he's necessarily, necessarily qualified to be a head coach. I think he brings um, a different kind of viewpoint on coaching, even though he has none. Uh, it's, it's a different viewpoint for sure. He has – I guess that he did have that edge about him. I'll give him that. Um, in his, in that conference, in a press conference I watched with him, he seemed very, he seemed very emotional and excited and motivated to even get the opportunity. Of course, uh, no one has really ever gotten this opportunity, so it's a big, it's a big moment for him. Um, he's pretty much under all the pressure in the world, even though the Colts aren't really amazing right now, to perform well to prove that he isn't just a analyst and fantasy football player who <laughs> plays football from his couch on Sundays and that he can actually do what he's supposed to do. So I think that is, is a very interesting move. Um, I'm not against it, but I think that he has a lot to prove as well. Um, I will give him that. I think that he is very motivated and that m- the mental aspect of it is 50%. So I think that the mental, whether he can put it together or not, and I'm not sure if he will or not, but like Roma said, I don't think there's really any harm necessarily either in doing it. I think that there's, I think that there are some well more qualified people even this late into the season that could have filled the role. Mm. But again, why not? Why not try something with Jeff Saturday? And I'm not against it at all. Like you, you, you made that 
noise. I don't think that, like like Roman said, Reggie Wayne. I think that would have been a good hire. Um, but as far as Jeff Saturday goes, I don't think he's necessarily qualified. But also, I do think it's interesting, and I do think it is a good, good stepping stone or blocking point to if people outside of this coaching realm can even coach um, a head coaching job in college or just – there's that huge block between the two. Jack? I personally like it. I think it's a it's an interesting move for sure, and he's certainly not – he doesn't have all the qualifications that he needs. But, uh, I mean, he does have a little bit of coaching experience. He, he coached in high school for three years, it looks like. And uh, But, I mean, this guy was calling plays for Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning was getting so angry at him. So now he gets a, now he gets a chance to call the plays actually – and not have the sheriff yelling at him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, he was just – he was an incredible offensive lineman, and I'm interested to see, you know, how that translates to uh, being an NFL head coach. Yeah, same here. I think it's – I'll just give you all my point of view. I think it's very interesting. Um, but, obviously, he's not qualified. But, but honestly, if you want to look at it that way, that he's not qualified, you have to look at the other candidates. And, to me, there's no one out there – that has previous head coaching experience at that position that is a good coach that has proven themselves. There's no one else out there. That's why I don't hate the hire at all, but I do think it's a little enticing because when there's no NFL head coach out there, why not give it a shot in a really bad AFC South? Why not? People are saying this is complete disrespect to other proven guys who have worked their whole lives to have a shot at a head coaching job. But in my opinion, why is this such a big deal in the first place? This is an interim position and they've already said that they'll review the results in the offseason and make a decision at that point in time about who the head coach could be. And no one, Roman, I loved your point with this. No one in my eyes would or could have the same passion to coach this team like what was displayed at Jeff Saturday's press conference the day after he was hired. Everybody was asking, why do you think you're qualified? Why do you think this is a position that you think you can handle? And he said, let's face it, I could either do really bad or really good. And really bad, in my opinion, for Jeff Saturday is not even attainable because they were already a really bad team. So if Jeff Saturday comes in and does his job right, or at least does this job even to the same level that they were doing, I don't see any candidate even showing up. I expect Jeff Saturday to get rehired this offseason, no matter how good or bad he does, because a lot of the blame will not go on him. Number one, he's not the one calling the plays. Parks Frazier is the um, specialist and assistant quarterbacks coach. So Jeff Saturday is, in a way, mentoring him. And Saturday has been in this Indianapolis locker room, whether it's been an analyst, whether it's been an insider or an actual player for over a decade. He knows what this team looks like. He knows the ins and outs. I'm willing to bet this play or the playbook has not changed that much over the years. I mean, he just retired in 2013. so less than a decade later. So I honestly could really see this going well. I'm surprised that y'all – um, are kind of on the same opinion as me. A lot of people have been really going after Saturday that he got hired, and that was it was complete disrespect. But in my opinion, well, you know, there aren't that many other candidates out there that would have been good. Well, here's the thing. I think that the only issue is as far as other analysts or people in this type of journalism type field or things like that that are wanting to kind of dip into the coaching aspect, their entire opportunity or chance at that rides on Jeff Saturday and his ability to produce a, a, to make a operating football team work. If he if he like screws it up, 
poorly. And like we, like you already said, he can't really do that. But no. if something goes bad, if it goes wrong, then this kind of puts a bad light on the only opportunity that a journalist or someone in his field has had to prove that they can be a head football coach. And I know that lots of people's goals in journalism are like lots of them have aspirations to be a coach. If that was an opportunity, they wouldn't hesitate and they would like to do that. So that's, or at least in the NFL, that is, um, so that is something that lots of people, lots of analysts are now looking to as well. If this messes up, then my chance is thrown out the window, which is one of the only reasons that I feel like there's kind of, a risk at it and some people might be hating on him especially in the journalism field because if he gets this opportunity and he messes it up he's messing it up for a whole group of people that are trying to get their chance as well but now might not well if i if i'm these analysts and other people in sports broadcasting these people that cover the sport every single day or rather than that i if i'm a if i'm a coach who feels like he's unproven and I see this guy, and I think that I'm so much more qualified than a broadcaster or an analyst, then I'm loving this hire. Because if he, like you said, if he does terrible, then in my opinion, the door will close for future down the line of anybody in that sort of field that wants to be a part of the sports world when it comes to head coaching jobs. If I hold that yeah. opinion, I love this hire, absolutely. I agree. I agree. I doubt. I'm just saying, he's getting a lot of hate. Correct. I doubt that this opens up any sort of avenue for sports analysts on television to become head coaches in the NFL, regardless of what happens with Jeff Saturday here, because this is a very unique situation. First off, Jeff Saturday is a former NFL player, and he's a former legendary NFL player at that. He's one of the best centers to ever play the game of football. So that already gives him an extra qualification above all of these analysts that, um, you know, were already that may want to try and do this first off it, uh, also another thing he also has coaching experience it's not the collegiate yep. or professional level but he has coached high school so there's that as well and more so than anything else these analysts on television they study journalism they study broadcasting they study this and that they're not you know studying how to become coaches correct. in any sport correct so for this to potentially open up like avenues for sports analysts on TV getting head coaching jobs. I don't, I just don't believe in the idea of that, the concept of that. So this conversation, you know, in terms of that is pretty much irrelevant. I think this is a very unique situation with Jeff Saturday. Jack. Yeah. Um, I'm in, of the same opinion. Like imagine Schefter getting a head coaching job. That'd be so funny. But, uh, Anyways, I think he has kind of more qualifications than an Adam Schefter would. Or yeah, did Mel Kiper coach? I don't think he did. I'm but, not sure. Um, but he's got the NFL experience to you know know what it's like to be in the locker room as a player mm-hmm. and what the players want and what the players need because he was a player. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, in terms of like talking of uh. You know, the media not being able to get a coaching job if Jeff Saturday messes up, I disagree. But I don't think anybody currently in the media would be um, hired to be a head coach in the first place. Also, you, think, you don't think Stephen A. Smith uh, could work in the NBA? Who, who no. in the media would want a coach? No. Anyway, he's got too good of a gig going right now. Why would, <laughs> why would anyone in the media want a coaching job? Exactly. 
Like, why? Unless you're a why would they even want to try something new? I would. Coach the four, you know. It is a lot of pressure, though, for sure. Like, it's overview again. You hire an offensive lineman to coach a team who needs to emphasize the run game more. I don't know if that's connected, but it's absolutely a situation that needs to be fixed. But something I want to bring up with this to kind of prove my point a little bit is I do not like the inconsistency of Jim Irsay so far. When he was asked in an interview about if this was good for the Colts, this is what he said, and I quote, I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league because it's tough for all of our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics, and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that. He doesn't have that fear, and there was no other candidate. Did you all hear that last line? He talks about the fear that won't be in Saturday for three and a half sentences, and then the last five words is a little disclaimer and says there was no other candidate, which shows me that what he's telling the media and what he's telling his players about this guy being a qualified person as a hire and that he's got these intangibles that would make him so good at coaching and the knowledge he needs, I think we're, he's capping a little bit because he would not <laughs> have said all of that and then at the end say there was no other candidate. That just proves to me that he is desperate. Jim Irsay is desperate to do anything he can to make this Colts team better than we've seen in the last decade. Because, Roman, like you said, they've been cycling through washed, injured quarterbacks year after year after year. Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and now Matt Ryan, who's not even on the field anymore for Sam Ellinger. I mean, just it's not pretty for Indianapolis. And if I'm the Colts and if I'm Indianapolis, I don't know if I'm taking this too far. Y'all can, y'all can let me know on that. But I'm not trusting a word that Ursay says right now. Because he's going to go out and tell everybody, man, he's such a good hire. He knows this and this and this. But then he throws in that little disclaimer and says there was nobody else. So I think he is very desperate to find anybody that can change up that locker room vibe. Well, I think he was – sorry. Go ahead, Roman. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jack. The thing with Jim Irsay for me is that the dude is always on such a power trip, okay? He's going to do whatever he wants, like whether we like it or not. I mean, we saw the way – that the Colts were run with Andrew Luck, the way that they handled his health situation, obviously not pretty. And I don't, I don't know to question Jim or say it's nothing new. It's something that I've been doing for years. Yeah. Yeah. Jack, what were you going to say? I was going to say that I don't think Jim or meant it in the way that he said it. I think he was referring to, there was no other coach with, without that fear of failure, like Jeff Saturday. I think that's what he was talking about. I don't think he was talking about there was no other candidate for the coaching job because that's just not true. You've got a staff full of uh, coaches that have that have actually coached at the NFL level, maybe not in a head coaching position. But I think he was referring to the fear, not there was Potentially. zero other candidates. Potentially. Yeah. I just – I didn't listen to the actual interview. That was in a CBS article, but it – no matter what he meant, it is it is a little frightening that that could have been a possibility. That all the stuff he's saying may not add up and the fact that he's just desperate and he wanted somebody that he likes what they're saying to him. I don't know. I think it's going to work. I think they'll rehire him over the, over the offseason. But as far as Ursay goes, the fact that he's again and again and again sort of let us down. I remember me and Brent were really high on the Colts to win the AFC South. And we've, I'm sure many sports fans have said that through the Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz era as well. And he continues to let us down. So when I hear something like this, regardless of what he meant, 
I really think that maybe that's a part of it, that there was, in his eyes, there was no one out there that could do the job as well as him. But as far as passion goes, I think that hiring Saturday to coach on Sunday, I think it doesn't get better than that from a passion and joy perspective. Now, okay, Jake, let's make one thing clear. This is not going to go well at all for the Colts. They are going to be awful. All right, Jeff Saturday is still a dude who has never coached in the NFL. His only coaching experience is in high school. Jumping from high school to the NFL is a massive jump, something that takes coaches years to adjust to, okay? And a Colts team that's already hit rock bottom, in my opinion, it's not a great situation to be in if you're Jeff Saturday. And if you keep Saturday after this, it's a terrible move because you need a young Mm. offensive mind to develop whoever your next quarterback is. That's what you have to get if you're Jim Irsay. And Jeff Saturday is not that, and he never will be. So well, that's, why they, that's why they got a 30-year-old calling the plays. I don't expect this to go well. I don't. I'm Listen, not saying man. it'll go well, but I think they'll keep him around, honestly. Brent? The, I, I heard this quote somewhere one time. The, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Let's not compare it to something else when it could be something special. Hmm. That is really weird. <laughs> Is that true? I thought it was deep. I like it. Thank you. All right. So, uh, how do we think tomorrow's going to go? They're playing the Raiders, primetime television. How do we? How do we think it's going to go? Raiders are pretty down themselves. I still think the Raiders win that. Raiders win. Raiders win. win. Uh, Jack, I'm going with the Colts. I think they're going to feed John. Get as many carries as he needs. He's so he'll probably get like 20, 25 carries. And, so will uh, Josh Jacobs. He better get 20, 25 carries. I need him to have a big week. I, I think the Colts take the dub. Just with the, you know, some, uh, oh, I forget. Who was it? The fired their coach and they went on like a big winning streak. I don't even remember. Was it, was it last year in the NFL? I don't remember. But I feel like that uh, – It may have been the Raiders. It was the Phillies. Wait, wait. It was the Phillies. Sorry, it was the Phillies in baseball this year. They oh, fired Joe Girardi, the- and they went on a tear and almost won the mm-hmm. uh, won the World Series. I thought you were talking uh, about the Raiders with Rich Passaccia. That, too. I forgot about that. I think the Raiders take it home tomorrow. I think they're, they're bound to have a win, honestly. Well, Jack, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to silence you for maybe 30 minutes, and then you'll come back to give your week recap. we got to keep you around for that. Brylin, welcome back. How was the, the abstinence? It was great. It was great. You ready to get in some college basketball? Of course. All right. So we are going to do our college basketball season preview. Undoubtedly, in me and Roman's opinion, and Brent's at least, Brylin, I don't know how you feel, the best postseason that ever exists. So we are going to – give you our predictions for the conference champions, the ones who get the automatic bids out of the top conferences, top seven conferences in college basketball. So starting off, we're going to do some rapid fire predictions with some analysis and discussion. And then Brent will give us a wrap up of how, what teams we think are going to make it and how many votes they got to make the tournament. So Roman, first off, who do you think is going to win the SEC? Man, I really wanted to give this to Arkansas. Really did, because I think that backcourt combo of Anthony Black and Nick Smith, it's going to be very lethal for Eric Musselman. But at the end of the day, I think this has to be Kentucky. 
I just think they're too good, too talented. Xavier Wheeler is going to be your lead guard here. And obviously, he's not Ty Ty Washington, but he's still a phenomenal college basketball player. So he should have that pretty much on lock. Cason Wallace is a high-level recruit that Calipari got over the offseason. He should fill in pretty nice at that two-guard spot. Chris Livingston could have played three for this team. Also very, very good. And by the way, this is assuming that everyone is healthy. I know that Xavier Wheeler and Oscar Shibway are dealing with injuries right now, but that's not here nor there. Jacob Toppin is at the four. And of course, Oscar Shibway, the national player of the year from last season. I think he's the first national player of the year to return to college basketball in a long time. Mm. But Kentucky is obviously very fortunate to have him back. Um, not a lot of contributors off the bench, but guys you're going to see for them, um, C.J. Frederick, Damian Collins, Antonio Reeves, who also has been very good to start the year, 20 point per, a 20-point game, 20-point-per-game score so far in the absence of Wheeler. He's playing very well. And Lance Ware is another guy that you're going to see play for this Kentucky team off the bench. At the end of the day, this is a very, very stacked league. A lot of teams could win this. A lot of very good teams that are going to make the NCAA tournament. But Kentucky, at least right now, looks to be the best of the bunch. Yeah, Roman, I'd have to agree with you. I think Kentucky is going to win the uh, SEC championship. I think it's going to be over Tennessee. Um, I wanted Mm. to put Arkansas in there, but at the end of the day, I think it comes down to youth. And I think that even though Arkansas got three of the top 15 players from this, from this class that is now currently freshman, I just think that it, it won't result to winning or making the SEC championship game. Now, do I think that Arkansas will make not make noise in the tournament? No, not by any means. I have them being a high seed in the tournament at that. I just think that as far as winning the SEC championship or competing in the – I think that Kentucky and Tennessee hold a little bit over uh, Arkansas, at least for now. And Shibway, best best player in the SEC by far, um, above and away the best player in my opinion. So I think that Kentucky, even – even though it's only two games in the year, they're winning by 40-plus points without the best player in the country. So, Or the best player in the country from last year. We'll see about this year. But I think that Kentucky should win it. Uh, I could see Tennessee or Arkansas getting into that championship game. But at the end of the day, I'm going to have Kentucky-Tennessee with Kentucky on top. Rylan. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Kentucky as well. I like Chiboy. I love Chris Livingston's game. I like Wheeler. I think the same thing. You know, Arkansas could very well beat them, but they're both they both kind of have a mix of young and old on their team. Mm-hmm. Nick Smith for Arkansas. I like Walsh. But yeah, I got Kentucky going with it for the SEC. I honestly thought Walsh would come out and get some more playing time. Only played like eight minutes in that first game, though. We'll see if he can get on the court a little more as they get into play. For me, though, 4v4, it's going to be Kentucky as well. was a two-seed last year in the NCAA tournament, but they were the first casualty of St. Peter's insane run in March Madness. And really, John Calipari got a lot of shade for it. He went 9-16 and in the 21 season, and to follow that up with a loss to St. Peter's, it was not good. But Savi Wheeler is back for a senior year, along with Oscar Shibwe, reigning player of the year, as you all have mentioned. Antonio Reeves is also really good from Illinois State, averaging 20 right now. And I really like this Kentucky team to get back to greatness this year and get it done in the in the SEC and do well in the tournament. That's just my opinion. All right, yeah. move on to the ACC now. Is this tournament time? Yeah, Brent, what you got? Who from the oh. SEC is going to be? Oh, it? right. We do, we do this first. All right. So, as far as the our votes for the SEC, we win a full sweep for Kentucky. Of course, the SEC champion is automatically guaranteed to make it. 
Along with that, Arkansas, Auburn, and Tennessee were all taken by the four of us, while Texas A&M and Alabama were as well. This is where it gets a little chippy because Florida received one vote from Jake, as well mm-hmm. as LSU only got one vote. Jake, Jake put Florida and LSU in there, and no one else did. And I put Missouri in there, and nobody else did. So Missouri. that's going to wrap up the SEC tournament. I just think I think that they got the best they got the best transfer besides Kendrick Davis. Uh, so, hmm. but to, Ooh, we'll you, is, man, you were talking different a few months ago. A few months ago, you were like, "Oh, Nigel Pack is better than Kendrick Davis." I still think Nigel Pack is better than Kendrick Davis, but I'm going to give it to you guys so we don't get into an argument. Dude, Roman so, ACC, incredibly stupid. It, like the fact that you think that hey 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 hey, 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 hey I, I'm leading into this okay <laughs> taking Nigel Pack over Kendrick Davis is stupid you know what else is stupid taking anybody other than North Carolina win the ACC North Carolina was a team that went to the national championship last year and brought literally every starter back except for one R.J. Davis is back Caleb Love is back Leaky Black is back and most importantly. Armando Baycott is back, and you replace Brady Manick with arguably a better player in Pete Nance. And that's pretty much all you got for this North Carolina team. This isn't a team that loves to go to its bench a lot. I mean, you have DeMarco Dunn and Puff Johnson there for just, you know, just getting other bodies in there, the purpose of that and nothing more. Seth Trimble is also going to be a guy that you see a little bit. But those five that I just mentioned, that starting five is going to be in there for North Carolina almost 100% of the time. Huber Davis just loves to stick with his starting lineup. So that's what you're going to see from this UNC team. They are far and away, in my opinion, the best team in the ACC and definitely one of the favorites to win the national championship. Yep, Roman, I'm going to back you up with this one again. I have North Carolina as far and away the best team in the ACC, uh, but a little – a little bit of an upset, I guess, to make it to the ACC championship. I have Virginia meeting mm-hmm. uh, North Carolina in the ACC championship game. And I wanted to say why. Uh, I think Duke isn't good, but Virginia returns their entire starting five. And the entire starting five is coming into at least their second year in college basketball or more. And Tony Bennett's squad, when he has had that sort of leadership and people coming back, has been incredibly good. So I don't have any question that Tony Bennett isn't going to get the job done here with this team. I think that they're way better. They're already ranked. They're ranked like 18 right now, but I think they're way better than what they're ranked right now. I think that helps them get past Duke and they are a scary team for tournament time. But I do think North Carolina is above and away the best team in the ACC, but don't sleep on Virginia. Brian. I'm also going with North Carolina. I, I'm a big fan of Caleb Love and R.J. Davis in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Armando coming back. I liked him when Cole Anthony was still there. So him still being there <laughs> is a great plus to have. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, the high skill level in the guard, them being the duo, the best backcourt in college basketball to me. Mm-hmm. And Caleb Love could potentially be a lottery pick in my eyes. So, yeah, North Man. Carolina. I do have to say, R.J. Davis's emergence as a one last year was so important to this team because before that, you had to rely on Caleb Love to play that role. That's just what he—that's just not what he's best suited to do. R.J. Davis emerging as that one guard really allowed Caleb Love to move off the ball more, and that's really what allowed this North Carolina team to thrive this, um, last year. What will probably continue to allow them to do even better this year. Yep. And that was honestly just a, a coaching decision by Huber Davis. His first year. 
coming in with freshman Caleb Love, like he didn't really necessarily know how to handle that that good of a talent and what to do, kind of like Penny with Monty Bates. You've got the talent, but you've got to place him in the best position possible. We're going to do another sleep, sweep with another blue bud. North Carolina is going to get the win in the ACC for me. I know it's a project, it's a kind of a projected start for all of us picking the top preseason teams, but it's so hard to go against North Carolina. Duke is there. I mean, they're projected second right now, but they also lost Mark Williams, Paulo Bancaro, and four other really, really good guys from this team. Some were experienced, some were not, but all of them are in the NBA, G League, or playing overseas at this point. Like Brent, I could easily see them fall below Virginia when it's all said and done. Some, you know, some say they're coming back for revenge, but almost all the guys who can contributed to this Duke team are gone besides Jamie Roach. North Carolina, as you said, Roman, bringing in Pete Nance, who shot 50% from three last season at Northwestern, makes this team extremely hard to beat. So, so far, we've got a sweep of Kentucky and North Carolina. Brent, who's going to make the tournament from the ACC? All right, a little more consistent. The bottom goes in the ACC. We all had North Carolina, Virginia, Duke. Miami and Virginia Tech making the tournament with one outlier. Roman did put him in the tournament. Nobody else had them. But as far as the ACC goes, we're all pretty set in stone that six teams will make it while Roman has a seventh team in Notre Dame slipping in. All right, Roman, Big 12. All right. I think this is going to be the first hot take of the whole deal. I like it. I like it. Of the conference slate, if you will. I'm going with TCU to win the Big 12. Wow. I, I just think it's their time. I think the backcourt duo of Mike Miles and Damian Ball when he gets back from suspension is the most lethal in college basketball. Both of those dudes are just absolute machines. And the rest of the guys, I mean, Chuck O'Bannon, that the other forward along with Emmanuel Miller, Eddie Lipkin, Eddie Lipkin playing at center. And this is a pretty deep group in terms of like the bench unit as well. Micah Pevy, Xavier Cork, Shahada Wells, Rondell Walker, and Jacoby Coles. I mean, Kansas... I mean, we, we don't really know with them. They lost a few guys, including Oche Abachi. So we don't exactly know what to expect from them this year. They're obviously going to be really good, but are they going to be at that top level again? We'll just have to wait and see. And Baylor's, they still have Jonathan Chambochachua out with injury. We don't know how long that's going to be. Wait, what was that name again? Jonathan Chambochachua. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say that three times fast. I mean, I still, I mean, obviously I love Baylor and Scott Drew very high on them last year and in years past. But I just think TCU and Jamie Dixon, they're in perfect position right now to win the Big 12. It wouldn't shock me if Kansas or Baylor won it. But to me, TCU just has a slight edge right now. Yeah, Roman, when you said you're going with a, uh, with a sleeper or a hot take, I thought we were going to have the same one here. And I am pretty high on TCU, but I don't have them winning the Big 12. I'm going to say Kansas wins the Big 12 championship mm. like, over Baylor. But I do not see Kansas going far in March Madness. I think that uh, this is a team that will look really, really good come uh, come conference play, regular season, all that jazz, win the Big 12 tournament. But I think ultimately we're going to Illinois from last year where they like everybody had pretty high hopes for them, but it just kind of fizzled out and they didn't really have it come, come March Madness, come tournament time. So I think the best team – it's probably Baylor. I do think Kansas captures the Big 12 title, but they will not be the best team when March is all said and done. I do agree with you, Roman, though. TCU, beast of a team. I would not be surprised if they found themselves in that championship game either. But for now, Kansas-Baylor, Kansas on top. Rylan, I think, is next. I have Baylor. 
I'm mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Keontae George, man. He's very poised as a freshman coming in, even though it's hard to kind of depend on the freshman as your lead guard, especially trying to make that title and get out of that conference. But I'm a big fan of his. They don't really have a good rebounder, though. So that's my main issue with them. I think other teams like Kansas will have the edge on the defensive end. But I believe in Baylor, especially after Kansas getting to it last year. Look, in college basketball, it comes down to guard play. And I think TCU is going to have the best guard play of anybody in the country. So that's why I think TCU will overtake everyone in the Big 12. Man, I agree it comes down to guard play. But y'all are missing the best backcourt in the Big 12. It's absolutely Texas. Texas brought in Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State, and they've already got Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen back there. Texas is my Big 12 champion. I'm honestly surprised, Roman. I thought you were going to say a hot take and pick Texas. Brent, I thought you were going to say a hot take and pick Texas. But for Texas, what was an already loaded roster last year, brought in Tyrese Hunter, one of the best players in March last year for Iowa State. That team had a big turnaround. And Baylor lost a lot of guys. You're looking at almost their top four guys, Jeremy Sochans in San Antonio, Matthew Myers in Illinois for the Illini. You also lost Kendall Brown and James Akinjo, four guys that were huge for this run that they made last year to be a one seed, or they lost to actually North Carolina. But in my opinion, Texas is in prime position with Chris Beard to get it done. As I said, bringing back Marcus Carr, along with two five-star freshmen over the offseason, makes me really high on Texas. They were six seed last year, currently 12th in the country at this point, and I think they take a big jump and win the Big 12 this year. Well, isn't it a good thing, though, that we all have four different teams? That's, that, that's, that's awesome. pretty cool. That is I love high. it. But as, as far as our tournament teams go, still a lot of consistency here along the top. Kansas, Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU, all chosen by the four of us. Texas Tech, of course, was the lone team that we all four chose that didn't get a Big 12 championship cho- shoes, whatever. I just butchered that, but that's okay. Vote, I guess. Uh, <laughs> a vote. Uh, Oklahoma State was chosen by Jake and Roman, uh, while West Virginia was chosen by Jake, Brent, and Roman. So we – West Wait, Virginia I didn't pick West Virginia. Did you not pick West Virginia? I didn't pick West Virginia. No. I'm sorry. Putting together this list. You should have. So, I agree. You probably should have. But, so, instead of West Virginia, Roman puts in Oklahoma State. And me, instead of putting in Oklahoma State, I put in West Virginia. So, overall, we all pretty much have it as a six-big league. Uh, but, that pretty good conference top to bottom. So, up next, oh, we absolutely. have Big Ten. Yeah, it is the every best year. We'll go backwards. basketball. Absolutely. We'll go for this year, maybe. We'll go backwards for this one. Me, Brylan, Brent, Roman. For oh, me, my champion was the best. Oh, yeah, that's what I said, too. Big Ten is always oh, okay, the best in the regular season, but when it comes down to March, definitely not. For me, I got to go Illinois. They lost Kofi Coburn last mm. year, but brought in Matthew Meyer from Baylor. They also brought in Terrence Shannon from Texas Tech. I know everybody is high on Indiana, but they barely made the tournament last season. Got hot in March. I think Illinois feels a little bit disrespected after being ranked nine spots behind them in the preseason AP rankings to start out the year. And obviously, Kofi Coburn was really good. He was really good, but he could move outside the paint. I mean, he relied on hitting shots from from down low inside the box. He never went outside. And that really, it crowds the paint when you've got such good guards like Andre Cabrello a couple years ago. So without him, the floor is going to be wide, wide open for all these transfers to come in and get the work done. Matthew Meyer is a lights-out shooter from three. He's arguably the best big three-point shooter in the entire country. Four's going to be more open. I think these outstanding transfers are going to get to work. Brian, what's Brian? 
I have Michigan. I'm a big Ooh, fan wow. of Hunter Dickinson. Um, he's he's probably my favorite big in college basketball. I like that he's a good pick and pop option. He has a good post game. His footwork down there is great. And also like a player alongside him, Terrence Williams. He's kind of a wild card, but his skill gets better and better every year. And he's kind of that big shot maker that can go along with Hunter. And Jawan Howard as the coach, you can't really go wrong. So yeah, I have Michigan. I like it, Dre. Uh, for me, Jake, you kind of said uh, Indiana. Lots of people are high on him. I'm high on him too. I think it comes down to Indiana, Illinois in the Ooh. Big Ten championship game. I do think Indiana gets it. But mm. I agree with you. I think Illinois is a better team than they were last year. I do think that. I think that I, I don't even have a question. I think they are a better team. But when it comes to this Indiana team, you talked about how they just got hot to get into the tournament in March. I think that's not the case this year. I think Trace Jackson coming back was huge. And I think that he's going to be even better this year than he was last year. I think he wins Big Ten Player of the Year, in my opinion. I think that he, he'll be competing for Player of the Year as well. He'll be on that ballot. I do. I just think that this team overall has all the pieces it needs to compete to win the Big Ten Tournament and look into March way better than they did last year. IU pretty much just wanted to get to the tournament last year because lots of old heads are pretty mad at the way that this team has gone since Bob Knight was there and they were winning back-to-back-to-back, all these different things and doing crazy stuff. So they were just trying to make the tournament last year. This year they can finally run with it. They have their best player in years back, Trace Jackson Davis, leading the way. I think this is the year they finally get over the hump and prove that they're more than just a first-round exit. Indiana wins this for me pretty handedly. Wow. I, just think, I think they're the clear choice here. Uh, I Mike, Mike Woodson did a fantastic job with this team last season, mm-hmm. and with a full season of work, I think he's going to get even better here. Um, Xavier Johnson and Jalen Huchifino are going to be your two guards here. I think a pretty good, you know, handling of that situation there. Miller Cop and Race Thompson are the two forwards. But Trace Jackson Davis is obviously the X factor here. Getting him back, like Brent said, was huge. Best player in the Big Ten, in my opinion, probably a first-team All-American by the time we get to the end of the season. Um, pretty deep team also in terms of his bench. They use a lot of guys. Tamar Bates, Malik Renault, Jordan Geronimo. That's fun. Trey Galloway, Miller Cop. Um, oh, excuse me. I already said him, but Xavier Johnson is another guy there. So uh, those those were two starters. I I botched this a little bit, obviously, but Indiana. I think they're they have a bit more talent than everybody else here. Brought the most guys back. They have the most preseason hype, obviously. With with all that, I just think they take the Big Ten here. But Big Ten, it's a league with a lot of good teams, but Indiana to me looks to be the only outstanding team in the conference. Well. As far as outstanding teams go, Big Ten always seems to bring the most teams into the tournament, and this holds true for all of us. This has the most teams to receive, even votes, with 11 votes coming from all of us. Indiana, Michigan, Purdue, Ohio State, and Iowa, Maryland, and Illinois are all sweeps for us. Wisconsin, Mm. however, only received – was the only person to put Wisconsin into the tournament. Roman and Brent, myself, I'm going in the third person here, have Rutgers making it in, while Brent and Jake both have Penn State and Michigan State making it to the tournament. So everybody has 10, I believe, besides Roman. Roman has nine. So this league is in the conference. This league is a deep league when it comes to making March Madness. Obviously, we haven't seen the fruits of that come tournament time, but this year – with Indiana and Illinois, hopefully we can see the fruits of that. But lots of teams, obviously, really, really good. It's a really deep league. But as far as that goes, 
We're on to the Pac-12 now, I believe. Pac-12, same order. I'll start with this one. I got UCLA. They bring back Tiger and Hami Haquez, and they're mixing that with fantastic talent coming in, which I don't think should be an issue. Mick Cronin's teams always have been able to mesh talent, even going back to the Jaron Cumberland days in Cincinnati, when there's so much young talent around you, but they are able to respect and get the ball to the leaders of the squad. That's always been the case for any team that Mick Cronin has coached. Obviously, you can nullify that first year at UCLA. But other than that, this UCLA team has always relied on their top playmakers. You look back to sophomore year of Hami Haquez and Tiger Campbell, still was able to make the March. Yeah, they were able to make the Final Four that year. Whether that was their sophomore or junior year, I'm not sure. This I might mean, be their extra eligibility year because of COVID. You also, I think that you – What? You also had Johnny Juzang on that team. Who was Johnny Juzang was – yeah, he was fantastic as well. He was the one who got hot when they played that Gonzaga team. But overall, I think UCLA is going to have a huge year. They're definitely a contender to win it all in my eyes. All right, Brian, I have, you got? I have, I have UCLA as well. Um, mm-hmm. Amari Bailey is probably my favorite player in college mm-hmm. because he was my favorite high school player out of the 22 class. And he's grown from six while in like the uh, preseason leading up to college. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big addition. Campbell is a great guard in college. You need a guard like him exactly. A guard that can run your offense, that can shoot from deep, that can play a little bit of defense. And Jalen Clark has stepped up as well. After not playing as much in the past years and kind of earning his time, I think he's going to be the main scorer this year for this team with Tiger Campbell leading the way. So, yeah, I have UCLA as well. Man, you both want to go with UCLA. I'm going to go with Arizona. Uh, wow. I think Arizona wins the Pac-12 over UCLA. Yes, 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 I did say it. And I am about to butcher his name, but this is my pick for Pac-12 player of the year right here. Azulas Tabules. I don't know if I pronounced <laughs> that right, and I, I know he's not listening, so it's not a big deal, but I apologize anyway. He's my hey, pick for Pac-12 player of the year. Maybe he will, and that would be awesome. But until he does, I'll just apologize right here. And I know UCLA is the clear favorite. They didn't live up to expectations last year. I think the same is true here. I think Arizona has the talent. I think Arizona has the bigs. I think that they take it over UCLA and find themselves in a top three seed going into the NCAA tournament. To me, Mick Cronin and the team that he's built here is just undeniable. I'm going with UCLA. I think they're just too talented to not get this done. Tiger Campbell, obviously a phenomenal lead guard there, but I think the addition of Amari Bailey, like Ryland pointed to a minute ago, is going to be very crucial for this team. A phenomenal replacement for Johnny Juzang. Jalen Clark is another good guard they have there. And Hami Haquez, obviously, at Jim Bona is going to be handling things in the middle. It's a very small team. I, I will I will say that. Hami Haquez is a 6'7 shooting guard. He's the biggest player in the lineup. But, I'm, I mean, it's kind of Bona, obviously. But moving on to the bench, David Singleton, Kenneth Wumba, and Dylan Andrews. That's it. Not a very deep team in terms of its benches. An eight-man rotation for Mick Cronin. Pretty standard in college basketball. Arizona is obviously going to be a contender for this. But besides them, I don't see anyone else being much of a threat to the Bruins this winter. Yeah, and I think that we pretty much all agree that there is not much coming out of the Pac-12. Only six bids in all. Uh, Jake being the highest, he had six. Uh, Roman had four and I had three. So getting into it, UCLA, Arizona, and Oregon were chosen by all three of us. 
Oregon, I feel like, just makes it pretty much every year. Kind of have to throw them in there when you're talking about March Madness. They always seem to make it. Jake and Roman, however, had USC. And Jake mm-hmm. rounds out with Stanford and Washington making it in. So a little bit more than the Pac-12 used to. I think they're around three or four usually every year. So Jake thinks they'll take a step up this year and uh, and get six in there. So after this, yeah, I moving think, on to the Big East. Yeah, I just think the lack of mid-majors this year is really going to boost a lot of these teams when you look at the bigger conferences. That's just my opinion, though. I don't think it's going to be that strong. But, Roman, we'll go back to you for Big East. You got one in it. I think Creighton has to be viewed here as the favorite. They're just too talented not to be at this point. Greg McDermott and the roster that he's assembled with the transfer portal is looks to be pretty deadly on paper. Ryan Nimhart is a guy who actually returns to Creighton this season. He was pretty good last year. Looks to be even better this year. Trey Alexander is your other guard there. Baylor Shireman is the centerpiece of all this 17-point-per-game score for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits last season, baby. The Jackrabbits. <laughs> But, yeah, he should be your best player here. Arthur Kuluma is another good player at the forward. And Ryan Kalkbrenner will play center. Mason Miller, Houston High School, Memphis, Tennessee. Yes, Major contributor there for this team. Ben Schultzberg, Frederick King, Frederick, Frederick King Francisco Farabello, and Sharif Mitchell are also going to be guys that you see playing throughout for this Creighton Blue Jays team. I mean, Big East, obviously, a very good league. Villanova's in there. Connecticut's in there. Uh, Xavier's in there as well. But I think Creighton has to be looked here as the top dog as of now. I mean, I can obviously see a team like Villanova rising up as the year goes on. But with the loss of Jay Wright and an early season loss to Temple, things are not looking great for the Wildcats right now. So, yeah, give me the Blue Jays here. Yeah, uh, first time Creighton has opened up the season as the favorite in the Big East. So big shoes to fill considering Villanova is usually a national contender come preseason time, and they're the ones that are filling those shoes. So Creighton has to step up to the plate and be the ones to handle that this year. Do I think they are quite a national contender? No. But do I think that they are winning the Big East? Yes. And I think that they win it over UConn. I think that Villanova is going to have a little bit more of a struggle than we think they will. I do think they're a tournament team by all means. But do I think that they are the one or two seed teams of the past couple years national championship contender? No, I do not think that Jay Wright was just a game changer. And obviously that loss to Temple to start the year doesn't determine your season, but it's obviously a big loss and uh, this doesn't give much hope. But I do think UConn and Creighton are going to step up to the plate here. UConn obviously is a really good team still. But uh, Baylor Shireman from South Dakota State, huge pickup, huge pickup. Uh, he's my player of the year in the Big East. I've said a lot about my players of the year in each conference. He is my pick for player of the year in the Big East. Um, but I think Creighton gets it over UConn in the Big East for the championship and the auto bay. Robin? I have Marquette. It's a, it's oh. a low pick, but I have Marquette. Oh. Uh, Shaka wow. Smart. Shaka Smart. I'm a big fan of Shaka Smart and how he runs his teams, especially even when he was at Texas. Somebody from Memphis being his lead guard and Cameron Jones from ECS. I've seen a lot of Cam Jones when he was here and while he's at Marquette now. And he's a special talent. I think when the tournament comes, you need a bucket getter. And he's probably my favorite in college at doing that because he's so unique with how he does it. They have players like Tyler Colick, who's a good point guard that allow Cam to be a scorer when he needs to be for the team. And they have a freshman coming in, David Joplin, who had 23 the other day. And he's a new player for him, but 
you can have 23 first game in college and kind of mixing up the offense and the scout report not being for you, then you're going to be a problem. Marquette. Forward, so, yeah. Marquette is 75th at Ken Palm. Wow. <laughs> they are 75th at Ken Palm. And they are not only an NCAA tournament team, but a conference champion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's his pick. <laughs> I mean, we they're ranked eighth in the CBS Sports. Uh, that, that's a, if that were to come true, that would be that'd be honorable. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see it happen with the former ECS point guard as well. Uh, for me, though, different from Brent, Roman, and Brylin, I am not going to freak out over the Temple loss. I got Villanova winning the Big East. Justin Moore is not on the floor. He's coming back soon. He's supposed to be back in December or January, and he's the best player on this roster by far. Average 15 and 5 last year. He's a senior with a lot of experience. And going into a packed Philadelphia Temple Stadium yesterday, I mean, you can't blame them entirely because you have a lot of new talent that has to mesh together, new coach that has to mesh with the players, chemistry has to build, and you don't have your bucket getter. Like Brylin said, you don't have that guy that's going to get you points when you're struggling, when you're down. And they barely lost that game, too. I'm not going to hold them against them. But come March, whether Creighton is where they're supposed to be or not, I think that Villanova can get it done even without Jay Wright. I've got them winning the Big East. Well, as far as the Big East goes, Brent and Roman have Creighton. Jake has Villanova and Brylin has Marquette. But as far as our tournament picks, we are all pretty set on Creighton, Villanova, and UConn making it. While Jake and Roman both have Seton Hall, Brent and Roman have Xavier, and Marquette is the auto bid for Brylin. The only one out of the four of us that has Marquette even making the tournament, but Brylin has him as the auto bid, so we'll, we'll see if that one comes true or not. But a very probably the boldest take so far out of our predictions. The AAC is the last one up on deck. Roman, what you got? AAC. This has to be Houston. They are one of the top two to three teams in the country here. Kelvin Sampson has built an absolute monster of a squad here. Marcus Sasser returns, massive get, one of the top two point guards in the country, whether it's him or Kendra Davis, kind of a toss-up. If you prefer scoring and shooting, it's probably Marcus Sasser. If you if you prefer distributing, ball handling, and defense, probably want to go Kendrick Davis there. But either way, Marcus Sasser is a massive get for this team, you know, returning here. Jamal Shedd is another phenomenal point guard option. And Traymond Mark, three legitimate point guards in this lineup. Jairus Walker, the five-star freshman, is going to make a massive difference here. In a scrimmage that Houston had against Duke, I believe, which Houston won, the two best players in the scrimmage were Marcus Sasser and Jairus Walker. So that just tells you how good Jairus Walker is. Reggie Chaney is going to handle duties at the five. Not a very deep team in terms of its bench. They want to stick with their stars most of the time, but – Terrence Arsenal, Jawan Roberts, and Ramon Walker are the guys you're going to see in there if uh, Houston makes any substitutions. I have to mention <laughs> Memphis here because, because I do think the Tigers are going to give Houston a bit more of a challenge than expected. Memphis is a very you know deep, veteran, experienced team. They don't have a lot of experience playing together, but I think by the end of the season, in which Memphis will play Houston, I think Houston is going to get a good challenge from Memphis, but Houston should still win the American with relative ease uh, besides Memphis, because this is a pretty obvious two-bid lead for me. Yeah, Roman, I agree. Houston's going to bring the brooms to Memphis when it comes to the ACC, AAC championship. Not ACC, but Houston would probably compete if they were in there too. Uh, wins AAC handily. 
Sasser is the best player on the best team. He's going to collect his MVP trophy for the league and the league championship trophy on his way to the big dance, hopefully to collect in early April for March Madness. But I think Houston wins over a Memphis squad for the AAC championship. I do not think there's anybody that can compete with those two as far as making that game goes. I do not think they're a two-bid league, but I do think that those are the only two competing teams in the conference. Wait, you, wait, you don't think Memphis is going to make the tournament? No, I do. I'm saying I don't think they're a two-bid league. I think they're more than that. Oh, oh okay. Brylin, what you, you said got? earlier. I have, unfortunately, Houston as well. Um, I like their defense. I like how they have a team full of athletes. They're all strong. They're not the biggest team, but they take up the most space with their like weight and how athletic they are. I'm a big fan of Jamal Shedd. He's probably my favorite defensive guard in college basketball. Hmm. Seen Jarris Walker the other day in their game against St. Joseph, and he had, I think, 23 points. He was hitting an array of shots. He had floaters. He had threes. He was mainly slashing, but the confidence from a freshman coming in is something I love. And, of course, Marcus Sasser is a great addition to the team. And, yeah, Houston should be good, unfortunately. I want Memphis to do well. Alex Lomax, I have a relationship with him. That's cool. I really want him to do well, but I don't think the team has it this year to be Houston. Houston might be like the best team in college by this time the season ends. I think I think Memphis does get Houston at the FedEx Forum, but other than that, I mean, it's it's tough. Yeah. Houston's so hard to beat, and I'm going to follow you up there. This is going to be a sea of red here for the Men Who's podcast. Houston's going to take it in the American. Prohibiting injury – this team is, like like Brylin said, maybe the best team in America. I mean, they're, they're so good. It's not even funny. Ray, Reggie Chaney is a dog down low. If you watch him the past couple of years, he is going to own the offensive glass almost every single time down the floor. If you play a team like a mid-major team, we saw that. I watched that game against St. Joseph's as well. You have Reggie Chaney down low, but you also add Jairus Walker. I mean, the back, the front court for Houston, it just doesn't get any better than this. Marcus Sasser is one of the best 3 and D players in basketball. Andy has a handle, but Traymond Mark is back too. He'll probably handle most of the ball handling duties, duties besides Jamal Shedd. And even when you look at it, you can have those three guards on the floor and still be fine, even if they're not the biggest players in the world. Five-star, as I mentioned, Jairus Walker joins the squad. And like you said, Roman, Memphis and Houston at FedEx Forum on March 5th is going to be one of the best games of the year, hands down. Memphis is going to have a wide out. Houston's going to come in. They'll likely get us in Houston. But when they come into Memphis, it's going to be on CBS, 11 o'clock tip-off like every single year. This is going to be one of the best games and a really good preview for what's going to come in in that third week of March after spring break. But overall, Houston takes it. There's no competition. They really have a shot at the national title. All right. And to round out our tournament picks, Houston and Memphis are the only two that all – all four of us have making the tournament. Roman caps off there. While Jake has Cincinnati and Tulane making it, I have Tulane and Temple making it. So oh that's going to round out our tournament picks as far as those conferences go. Uh, Jake, what do we have next? Man, Temple, that's that's crazy. Did you add them after they beat Villanova? Was, Temple no, was I, awful. I, I was looking. I was looking at Temple beforehand. Um, ultimately, they're a bubble team, and they'd be like a last team kind of end thing. But then when I was looking at it today and I saw the jerseys they wore, I was like, hmm, those would be really cool jerseys to wear in March. And so I threw them in. <laughs> they were a bubble team a couple years ago. I'm not going to shut it down immediately. Houston's like 
third at Ken Palm. Memphis is 29th at Ken Palm. The next team for the for the American after that is Cincinnati at 52nd. You're not. That's why it's not all on paper. The American at 52 at Ken Palm. That's why. That's why. That's why we don't play basketball games on paper. We play them on a hardwood court, Roman. They are long, long season too. Ken Palm rankings are formed on a computer, not on paper. But okay. (laughs) Sorry, we don't play basketball games on paper. (laughs) Roman, who do you think right now is an AP top 15 team with the biggest chance of missing March Madness? Well, none of them are going to miss March Madness. They're all phenomenal. I, I, I would exempt myself from this question if I could, because all these teams are great. Why should I have to pick a team in the top 15 of the AP poll that's going to make that's going to miss the NCAA tournament when it's not going to happen? But if it I had to pick, every year, if I had to pick one, I guess Tennessee. I don't mm. feel confident in saying that, <laughs> but my one kind of gripe with them is that I'm not sure if they have like a massive difference maker on that team. I mean, Tyree Key. Was a 17 point per game score, Indiana Southern. He should adjust to that at Tennessee, but if he doesn't, I mean, I guess that could be a problem for the Vols. But besides that, I don't know what to tell you. I think all 15 of these teams are phenomenal. Does it have to be a top 15 team or is it just top 25? I would go top 15 because it would be a really good take if you were right. Top 15. I mean, it happens every year. There's at least one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Auburn. Uh, Auburn is sitting right at 15. It's not necessarily because they are the 15 team that I'm taking them. I'm just looking at all these other teams. Uh, Gonzaga, things would have to go awful for them to miss it. They're just in a not-so-great conference. Same with Houston. They're in a not-so-great conference. If they let it go go to crap and they both miss it, that would be insane. North Carolina is the favorite right now, number one. Kentucky, like some, like some of these teams are my conference champions. Obviously, they're going to make it. Duke, incredible team. UCLA, Creighton, Arkansas, Tennessee, Texas, Indiana, TCU. It comes down to Auburn. I just think they're kind of sitting in the middle of that SEC. And I guess I could maybe see them falling out. They're kind of, for me, fourth or fifth in the conference maybe. So, I guess if the SEC has a down year and they lose some games, maybe Auburn misses it. But I'll go with Auburn. If not the top 15, I'd say Oregon at 21. Mm-hmm. Rylan? I have a mixture of answers. Okay. <laughs> I don't think Tennessee or Auburn will make it because they just both lost their point guards. But ultimately, if I had to pick one, I'm going with Oregon because I just don't believe Oregon has the talent to make it to well, the tournament. Oregon's not a top 15 team, though. They're top 25. Hmm. Hmm. So I, I I, seems like Tennessee is a recurring theme. Y'all think y'all think them losing Kenny Chandler is going to be like a big difference, or or what do y'all think? Because Kenny Chandler was like the one major difference maker that team had. Yeah. Other than he him, played, it was a bunch of role play. Out of his mind, he played better in college than in high school. Now, I think Tyree <laughs> Key has the ability to be something of that, but we don't know that for sure. I mean, I think Tennessee's great, and they should make the tournament again. But uh, if I had to pick one, I guess it'd be them. For me, I know y'all are going to hate me for this one. And this was kind of a premature decision. I probably would change it um, because Brent just said something that I thought about. But mine's going to be Indiana. Because when you go back to last year, and I said this again, they won in the bubble. They, I mean, they won. Congratulations. All year they were this 500 team. 
losing record in the Big Ten. I mean, they just they weren't fantastic. And Trace Jackson Davis, honestly, I think he's hit his cap because they give him the ball almost every single possession. The offense runs through him. How much better can he get? You know, it's kind of like a Nicole um, Jokic situation. I can guarantee you his numbers are not going to go from like, you know, 27, 13, and 11 to 30, 18, and 14. Like, it's just not going to happen. When someone has maximized their usage on the offensive end, it's likely going to stay that way. Obviously, you've got a lot of guys coming in from the transfer portal. Almost every single player from that starting lineup is back. I just – I'm not super confident in Indiana. And obviously, I think they'll make the tournament. I think they're going to finish top three in seeding. But if you're looking at teams in the top 15 that have the biggest chance of potentially missing out, I think Indiana is really overrated for their ranking right now. And I think we could see them potentially fall make the tournament but you've got to look at indiana as a potential team that is very very overhyped when it comes to preseason predictions trace jackson davis can't get better are you serious and i think he's maximized his usage in that offense and their game today against bethune cookman trace jackson davis in 21 minutes scored 21 points on nine of 10 shooting i know it's bethune cookman but 21 points in 21 minutes on nine of 10 shooting tells me that this dude is prime for a phenomenal season. I think he can get better. Okay. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what he averaged last year? 21, 21 points in 21 minutes. That's, in, that's incredible. But that is, is my point wrong though. That is incredible efficiency. Yeah. Because he can't shoot outside five feet from the rim. He aver- he shoots 70% from the field. Like Does he, that- he doesn't take a shot outside of the lane. Who, who needs that in college basketball? This is not the a NBA, team, a team not the NBA wants, we're talking about. This is college basketball. A team who wants to win in March. It just does not happen for a team that relies solely on a center who can't shoot outside of five feet. Like, I think he's completely maximized his ability in this offense. Last year, average 18, six and a half on 70% from the field. Like, his three-point percentage the last couple of years has been zero. He has not hit one three in his college career. Not one. Okay. So I don't think this team. I don't think this team deserves to be top fifteen at all. That's just my opinion. I mean, I'm. You could argue that all you want. I'm gonna talk to you about Trey Jackson Davis here. The dude can't. Get, he scored twenty one minutes. He, he scored twenty one points in twenty one minutes. That is unbelievable efficiency. I agree. That that is insane. It is insane. I just think that. You know, as far as his abilities, he's not going to make it in the NBA, obviously. I mean, he's too small. But I think he's he's maximizing his abilities in college. Brent, I know you're high on him. What do you think as far as that point goes? Do you think – and I know um, you've got them winning the Big Ten, but do you kind of see what I'm saying, or are you more on leaning toward Roman's side? I, I'm with both. I don't think that he's hit his peak by any means. But I don't think he's going to be the guy that wins you the national championship either. I think there's other teams that rely on – more than one person compared to Indiana, who's more just centered on him. Um, so I think that ultimately getting the march won't be the issue, but winning it all is not something they can do with just Trace Jackson Davis. It does usually take a shooter or a bucket, a bucket getter that is not reliant on ten foot inside jump shots. And trust me, if I want somebody to hit a, a knockdown twelve foot jumper, I'm taking Trace Jackson Davis every day. I don't, I don't care. He won't miss. But as far as we need. We need someone to go down the court and hit a three with 10 seconds left to be the March Madness miracle. It's not going to be Trace Jackson Davis. And if he's the only guy you're giving the ball to, 
he's not going to win you that big game when you need him to, especially if you need a shot for the win from deep. But I still do think that they make it to March pretty handedly. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't think – I don't think they win. I, I don't think that they win because they just don't have the star power overall as these other teams do. Agreed, but I don't think it's in the sure. ceiling either. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Last question to cap it off. Who is your national champion, Roman? Who is going to cut down the nets in early April? Um, for me, it's Gonzaga. It's Gonzaga every year until they finally win it because they're going to win it eventually. It's it's <laughs> bound to happen. They're too good every year to not do it. This team is stacked. Nolan Hickman and Roger Bolton and Julian Strother are phenomenal guards. Anton Watson and Drew Timmy are phenomenal front court players. This bench is stacked. Malachi Smith was a, like a 20-point-per-game scorer at UT Chattanooga or wherever he played, and he's coming off of your bench. Efton Reed, I think, was a five-star recruit coming off of your bench. Hunter Salas, same deal. This team is phenomenal. I think they're going to win the national championship, and if they lose, they'll I'll, I'll, I'll have them winning it the next year and the year after that, <laughs> year after that, until they win because they are going to win. They are too good on a yearly basis to not win it eventually. Right. Um, I just want to mention, Rizier Bolton played for Penn State, so thanks for saying he's a phenomenal guard. We made him. Um, not going with Gonzaga. Unlike Roman, I'm not going to pick them every year until they win it because that would be pointless because I don't see why we're going to keep picking them to win when they haven't put it all together to win yet. But as far as it goes, it is the first week of the season – and I think it is incredibly hard to pick the team that in April of 2023 is going to cut down the nest for the national championship. So I cannot give you a definite answer, but I can give you some teams that I feel like could be cutting down the nets as far as my opinion goes, because I am not, I, and I, I'll just say one team anyway, even I, I saying, I'm saying I won't, but it is not set in stone for me yet. There's still too much college basketball to be played. Uh, 31 games on the slate for some of these teams. So, that's a lot. Lots can happen in 31 games just to get to March Madness. But as far as teams that I think could cut down the nets right now, Houston, Kentucky, and I'm going to throw in Arizona and Virginia in there as well oh, as wow. some of those other teams that are favorites. But I think Arizona and Virginia are two of those underdog teams that I can really see making a huge splash. I've already mentioned both of them. Um, as Virginia being one of my picks uh, to be underdogs in the ACC, Arizona my pick to win the Pac-12. Um, I think that both are underdogs to win it. Um, I do not think it comes out of the Big Ten, even though I'm very hopeful. State, it's not going to be. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm going to take North Carolina. Um, I think top to bottom, uh, Brylan talked about how he thought they had the best uh, guard duo in the whole college basketball world. I agree with him, along with Armando Baycott and that whole slew of players coming back. I think that they probably have the best chance to win it right now. So Gonzaga's not even a contender for you? I mean, Gonzaga's always a contender. But at the end of the day, I look at my market, and I'm always considering putting them out to a Boise State team or something like that in the round of 32 or Sweet 16. Like, they win games. They win games, but they're also winning games in a not great conference. And sure, they win games at the beginning of the year. But it's kind of like starting your season really, really well. Well, it's not kind of like it is. You always start your season. You have to win to be number one. And then when the time comes, you lose to an eight or nine seed or almost get beat by an eight or nine seed like Memphis. It's not like you're 
Gonzaga is not losing the bad teams. They lost to a four seed Arkansas last year. The year before that, I'm not they saying lost to the a bad teams. Baylor team they just have bad look, man. They'll never win. When did I say that they were losing to bad teams? I'm just saying that I don't think they're going to win it. Like, they can make the Final Four. I just don't like, think no. that they're going to win it. So ultimately, They lose to eight and nine teams when they don't. They might lose first round, man. I would not be saying that. They never lose first round. UNBC. UNBC. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, any of these teams that I just mentioned, I could see beating Gonzaga to make it to the National Championship or the Final Four, which is why I'm not putting Gonzaga as my champion because pretty much almost every team in the top 25, I could see losing to Gonzaga, beating Gonzaga. That stash does not deserve to win it anyways. It won't happen. I mean, Timmy's good, man. He deserves it. <laughs> Timmy's been in the Timmy's been in college basketball for 58 years and he hasn't won it. I think where we <laughs> ran out of he deserves it. Go to the league and get beat up by some real big You can't men. knock a player for failing to win a 64 team tournament. I'm not going to pick him every year. You pick him every year to win the tournament, and then you're like, oh, but it's a 64-team tournament. Gonzaga's not that team yet. Until because they they're, they're going to win 64. They, they are going to win the 64-team tournament at some point. I no, believe it, some point. it's going to happen. But until it goes back to 64 teams, they're not going to make it. It's at 68 now, which is ultimately probably why they lose it. So, <laughs> Rylan, you got Gonzaga? Who you got? No, Gonzaga's not even in contention for me. I yes, have, I, don't, I don't have just one pick though. As well, I Same. have three different teams for three different reasons. My first team up will be North Carolina because they have the best backcourt in the country, and that's usually the most important thing in college basketball. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love can't go wrong. They almost pretty much won it in my eyes last year, but they just couldn't keep up. And Baycott's coming back, and he's going to be better. So that's the first option. Second option is UCLA. And the reason for that one is I believe they have the best freshman in the country with Amari Bailey, and he's going to keep getting more comfortable and better throughout the season. And I think his high school game is going to translate to college, and he's going to be hitting the type of shots and display his athleticism as he gets more comfortable. To go along with Campbell being so exciting and the way he plays with the deep shots and the playmaking and how poised he is, it's, it's going to be great to see in Westwood. And the third option, which is probably my main option, is Houston because they just have the best team to me all around. They have the best defense in college basketball, in my opinion. Their guards are just tough. They're super athletic. They have good coaching. The program is just – I think they're just prepared to win. They have a good season team. So, yeah, those are my three picks. Yeah, I'm going to give two options as well. I think my second option has got to be Houston. I mean, we, we've said it around the board. They're just so stacked this year. Marcus Sasser played like 12 games last season. They were still an Elite Eight squad without Traymond Mark. Year before, they were a Final Four squad with Quentin Grimes. I think this is a better team than both of those squads. I think they're going to get it done. We could easily see them in Houston for the Final Four. That'll be fun. But I really think the national champion, and this is kind of based off history, I think Kentucky's going to win it all here. Virginia, no, Virginia, no, when they lost in the first round, couple years ago, they came back and won it all after a first-round exit to UNBC. Xavier Wheeler, in my opinion, is going to serve. Four like seven as, years. And that's – you keep talking about how Gonzaga's going to make it and because they never <laughs> win, they're going to make it. Please do not talk about Kentucky and not include them in that, okay? So you've got Kentucky there. Xavier Wheeler holds pretty much the exact same position as Kihei Clark or Remy Martin, two teams that have won the college, college basketball national championship 
the last four years. They've got that dynamic guard that can shoot it and can pass it. I mean, we saw – I think I think Sabri Wheeler's averaging 11 assists right now. I mean, he is going to dish the ball, and he can shoot it as well. Obviously, you lost Keon Brooks to Washington. That hurts. But overall, the coaching from John Calipari and everybody else on the squad, I would love to see Kentucky get it done, even though I do not like – John Calipari, I think he's one of the worst human beings in college basketball, but he does serve the community and help out everybody, so that's pretty cool. How can you compare Kentucky and Gonzaga? Gonzaga's losing in the national championship, but Kentucky's losing in the round of No, season. they're not. The round no, of they're not. Two. Hang on, lie. Kentucky could possibly not make it, man. They could probably not make the tournament. You can't. That like Those two programs are not comparable right now. Gonzaga oh, is a that's... consistent winner. I'd rather have Kentucky winning than Gonzaga, not gonna lie. Some reason. (laughs) Are are, are, is Gonzaga a consistent winner? They've only made it to two final fours. Oh my god. They 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 go like thirty three and one every year and they end up losing. Wow, and they they play on the West Coast. Yeah, they play in the weakest conference. Garbage West Coast teams every single year. That's really why they lose. They don't have much experience going into these tournaments. I List off the teams in the West Coast. Arkansas I want you to was tell a great you... team last year. It's not embarrassing. They're not the West Coast. <laughs> Arkansas was a great team. They're not in the West Coast. Yeah. I'm just saying. Gonzaga. Oh okay. 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 Here we go. Here we go. Gonzaga. I want you to tell me another another team that you could see making it past weekend one of college basketball, much less the first round this year. Portland, St. Mary's, San Diego, San Francisco, Santa Clara, Pacific, Loyola, Marymount, BYU, and Pepperdine. <laughs> Some is Pepperdine going to do it, or is Pacific maybe? San Diego or Portland? Are they are they going to are they going to challenge Gonzaga in I'm, a game in the regular season? I'm just saying, no one lost. No, no, no one not no one knocked Memphis for losing the tournament after winning it because you almost beat Gonzaga. No, no one. Not, and that was their first about, time like, in the, the tournament in a long time. I'm, I would say the Sun Belt. No one, is no one knocked Memphis for losing Coast. in the tournament after winning in Conference USA for years with Calipari. That no one because we had, we had Derrick Rose and they've got Drew Timmy, completely <laughs> different play styles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think the you Missouri think he's gonna make it to the NBA? No, but he's a phenomenal college basketball player. Like Derrick Rose was a phenomenal college basketball player. You place you place Gonzaga in the Big Ten, and they're getting beat up just like every other team in the Big Ten does. That's cap. That's, <laughs> that's cap. I don't. I don't know. No. Do that no. No. Cap. Not like. Not. No. Listen. Not like beat up. Beat up. Like they're gonna lose ten games. But like beat up. Like if Illinois last year is losing four games, Gonzaga is gonna lose four or five games in Big Ten play because you just have to be conference in the country. No, they what? They would win any conference. No, no. <laughs> yes, they would. I okay, 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 okay. Y'all said that they didn't play any competition. If they were in the Big Ten, I think they would have way higher of a chance to win it all because they're playing all these teams in if, a very, yes. very insane if atmosphere. They, if they're winning games, but if Gonzaga goes to the Big Ten and they're losing games, then Which they're not contenders. Yeah. Well, Gonzaga's the Gonzaga's in talks to join the Big Twelve right now, so. Wow. I think when, what, if, what, if they do that, test. if they do that, the first couple of years are going to be rough for them. But no, if they end up, no, no, no. If they end up figuring exactly it would out win the after Big the first, immediately. after the first oh. two, three years of figuring it out, they're going to be what you think they're supposed to be. 
Gonzaga win the Big Twelve immediately. You think Gonzaga is gonna go throw go from playing Portland every night to beating a packed out Texas stadium every game? Oh my! <laughs> yes, I do. Crazy. All right, we're gonna we're gonna end this, Roman, specifically because in your intros you talk about how we're not first take. This is turning into first takes. We're just gonna end it right here. <laughs> Let's go over our week recaps. Dog. Jack, are you still is with Jack us? Still here, Jack. After that craziness that Roman just said, but I'm still here. <laughs> Holy cow, Roman! Give us your crazy week. What happened? Uh well, um. On Tuesday, I got into a car accident. So, uh, wait, what? My my car is currently uh, decommissioned for the time being. Um, you know, not much else after that. Uh, to be honest, I obviously went to Memphis and Tulsa on Thursday night. Pretty boring game, but I guess I'm glad that Memphis got the win, even though they'll beat North Alabama next week, get the goal eligibility, which probably saves Ryan Silverfield's job. But that's not here nor there. And then Friday night, we had a surprise birthday party for our boy Jake over here. Yay. Phenomenal occasion. Had a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, that was my week. Brett? Um, well, I tried before we got about my week so that I would remember it. But then after all that, I kind of forgot. So, uh, Monday and Tuesday wasn't really much. Wednesday officially signed with North Alabama and sent all that in. So that was a fun day. Had my signing day on Wednesday. Um, I also had church Wednesday. So that's always fun. Uh, let's see. Thursday had discipleship. Um, as well as my grand, no, my grandparents have been in town this weekend. So that's been good. Um, Friday. What did I do Friday? I can't. Friday's a blur. Oh, yeah. House. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, hung yeah, out yeah. with Jay at his surprise party. Um, had a lot of fun there, where he where he won bingo, even though he never won. Um, <laughs> and then went down to Brentwood earlier today for a quick two mile time trial in the in the feels like thirty degree weather in my short shorts and sleeveless shirt. So oh, as boy. you can imagine, that that probably felt great. But I'm here now on the podcast with for the first time ever two special guests. It's been pretty fun. Jack, you haven't talked in a while. What's up? How's your week? My week was pretty good. I got the privilege of voting for the first time on Tuesday. That was a pretty cool experience. You know, not every country has the opportunity and the ability to vote for their leaders, and I wow. think it's just awesome that we're able to uh, we're able to vote for our leaders. So that was cool. And then I had an incredible revelation on Friday night. So. I was at Jake's house, and we were talking, and somehow it got on to cold showers. And I, I didn't do it. I had never tried it before. I thought it was ridiculous. But I decided to go home and try it after I got after we finished Jake's party. I didn't. And, uh, I didn't try it at all. It's stupid. It, it's great. No, oh, yes. Thank you. I've taken, thank you. I've taken three showers since then because I, I got up and worked out this morning. But uh, it was – Cold showers are the way to go. It's miserable go. for the first 30 seconds to a minute, but other than that, it is, it's very refreshing. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, someone understands me. Thank you. They're the way to go. Hey, may, maybe Jack will try not eating vegetables next. No, I, I still have to eat the vegetables. <laughs> yeah, you don't Jake have to copy that for sure. If you don't know, Jake doesn't eat vegetables like at all. So his mommy makes him eat a vitamin in the mornings. There we go. That vitamin is tough to swallow sometimes. Rylan, <laughs> what you got? 
Man, this this week was weird since we missed two out of the three weekdays at school. But Monday we started uh, off regular school day. Uh, we had a six hour practice, and what? Oof. Yeah, yeah, we had a six hour practice. It was supposed to be initially like three or four, which is crazy anyway. But it turned into two more of running because we got oh some, my. we got in trouble during our yoga session with our assistant. Yeah, playing around, running. So we had to run when our when our head coach got back. So that was Monday, six hour practice plus school being hell. Then we got to <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday we had a two or three hour practice, which is kind of regular for us. It was a little cool down from the day before and kind of gathering myself and almost rethinking life, to be honest. <laughs> and we we missed we missed school that day. We were out of school and I had to still go to practice. So it was kind of weird because I don't know if it's just me, but as an athlete, it kind of feels like when you don't have to do anything before practice or a game, you only think about that until the whole day. So whatever yep. happens before then, it does not matter. Even mm-hmm. if you try to go to sleep, it kind of feels like you're throwing yourself off. Yeah. Wednesday, we had school. It was regular school and practice. That was it. Thursday, we had a scrimmage. Scrimmage was okay. We only won by one point against Whitehaven. I played okay. Not as good as I wanted to. And yesterday, no practice, no anything. I just sat in the house all day. I got some recovery in. Today, I went to the gym, got some lift, got to lift weights a little bit, got in the sauna, and played a little bit at East Porter. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's a solid week. Well, yeah. not the running, obviously. That's why I quit. Yeah, it is. That's always a good week. <laughs> I don't want to crazy. hear it, Brett. Um, but for me, a little less active. Um, let's see. Wednesday, I can't remember anything before that, to be honest with you. Wednesday, we had a church that day. Um, got to, we had worship night. That was pretty cool. Before that, I got to meet with some middle schoolers that I mentor. So that was fun. Um, had a had a good group with that. Um, and then Wednesday night, I got to catch, we're having a dodgeball league, right? And I got to Ouch. catch, none of y'all were there. May, yeah, actually, Brent was there. But I caught the end of the best game ever. So one of my guys, his name is Braden. He listens to the podcast now. We got him on it. But it was 1v3, and they throw they throw one at him. He's got two balls in his hand, and he catches the third one between the other two, and caught, he caught it. And then the guy went out, and he proceeds to hit the other two and get him out. It was insane. It was one of the best rounds I've ever seen. Um, so it was a fun Wednesday night. Thursday, met with the guys as well. Um, heard we might have to have a conversation about men and hoodies with some teachers, so that should be interesting. Um, Friday night. See, I went to get uh, my senior pictures done at Holland Studios, and I got back to my house, and I, I completely miss all the cars that are parked across the street because um, I was on my phone sending about six fantasy trades on the way home. So I'm completely zoned out, and then I get in the driveway, and I see this 18th birthday on the garage door, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then, the, and then my mom says, happy birthday, and then the garage door starts going up, and I legitimately thought I was getting the car. And then I start to see <laughs> and then I start to see knees, and then I start to see like fifty people just attack the car, and I'm just in shock. I, I watched the video back; it was insane. It was, it was. I've never been surprised before like that. So to get surprised, no, no tears were shed, but it was pretty darn close. It was close. It was, it was awesome. You to see were all close. Those, 
yeah, it was awesome to see all the guys there um, and just, you know, Carson helped plan a lot of it, so that was cool to see um, just her passion for it. But it was a good night. It was a fun night. Today, I went to see Arlington's JV. They played. They had two scrimmages today. Casey played well. They won four in a row in the scrimmages, so that's pretty solid um, for a sophomore-led JV team. Wait, verify is for our listeners? Verify what? Verify who Casey is for our listeners. Sorry, Casey is my brother. He plays JV for Arlington, um, starting center, even though he likes to shoot a lot. Uh, so he's kind of like a stretch five. Um, but they won two in a row, pretty solid games. Obviously, Coach Sharp's the wild man, but it's always fun to watch him from acro- across the sidelines. Um, yeah, it was a pretty solid week. So y'all got any more on the sports talk of the day? Any last hot takes before we got the Sunday slate tomorrow? My, I have a hot take. Back. I have okay, a hot take up? that I've been saying to my NBA season has started. And it's other than Steph Curry, who is my favorite player in the league right now. Yeah. Brandon Ingram is the Brandon Ingram is the best player in the league. Cool. <laughs> That's it. It's been a long night. <laughs> he's right, he's better than Kevin Durant and all this. those guys. Oh my gosh, Roman, that was so fun, Roman. It's, it's oh one of the goodness. best one night, one of the best one liners I think I've ever heard. Holy cow, that was great! Oh my goodness, it's been a I'm, long gonna, I'm gonna wrap this up. Brandon Ingram being the best player in the league is how we're going to end it today. Thank Can you I just for listening. See where he's ranked in points per game. Sorry, I'm still scrolling. I'm trying to find him. No, Brent. What's on paper doesn't matter with basketball. Yeah, it's the look, man. It's the eye test. He's not even top fifty in scoring. It's, look, he hasn't played a lot. <laughs> you got to give him time, man. When the playoffs how can kick he be in, the best player if he doesn't play. Look, I mean, that's like saying Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs. When the playoffs, he's not even top. You're going to see Kingram. That's his nickname, Kingram. That's that's what you're going to see him. I'm trying to. By the way, I'm trying to get Bob Myers to trade. You know, Kaminga and Wiseman to get Brandon Ingram, but you know, it's in the works. (laughs) Uh, That is. This has been insane. Hold on, I got any any other hot takes. Anybody else want to throw out that Penn State's going to win the national championship for college basketball? It's not going to be me, but I feel like somebody else can say it. That's sick. <laughs> wow. Nope, I'm good, Brent. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to the 25th episode of Men in Hoodies. We hope you Definitely enjoyed. It was pretty wild. Check the description for the link to the Men in Hoodies website to check out some good articles and rankings from the boys. Obviously, go check out our new Instagram page lowercase men.hoodies.n.hoodies. Go check that out. Just went over 100 followers as of today. Share the word about our podcast with others. And while you're at it, tell them we're available on Spotify, Apple, and Anchor. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. The water chose me.